Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. We pray your help to deliver the message that you have for your people this morning. We pray, Father God, that your blessing would be great upon us. We pray, Father God, that you make this house a glorious house that flows with this everlasting life, spring of life, a place where the fear of the Lord is a reality. We walk in the fear of God day in, day out, and we are delivered from the snare of death. Every, every trick the devil has for us, we don't fall in that, Lord. We don't walk in that mindset. You deliver us. You deliver our marriages, our wives, our children. You deliver our families, our finances, our employment, our livelihood. You continually deliver us from the snares of death. We, we ask that you surround this place with your precious angels. We pray, Father God, that everyone within the sound of this message will move in the direction of wisdom because you send the word that we might be delivered from the snare of the fowler, Lord. We pray that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit. We pray that your word would be a double-edged sword that would divide between the soul and the spirit. We pray, Father God, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit, Lord. We rebuke Satan and all his devices, all his schemes, all his evil that brings uh, uh, to kill, to steal, and to destroy uh, the plans that you have who came to give us life and life in abundance. So Father, allow your word to resound in your temple. Allow it to fill the hearts of your people and deliver them from all the lies and deceptions of the evil one. And that your word would not return void. We glorify you and we bless you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. So the message for the world today, and there's a lot of people speaking, but who's not speaking? We don't hear the voice of the church telling people to repent now. Repent now. When, when we used to hear the words repent, we're like, why, why do we continue to make this the greatest cry that we've been given as an instrument of God for our world. I thank God every day that somebody had the courage to stand in front of me and say, listen, you're gonna burn in hell, repent. And, and what that word means is make a U-turn fast, turn around and hightail it from the direction you're headed. And to not hear those words becomes the biggest curse in any man or woman's life. Let me tell you something, that while the people on earth hate the word repent, the people in hell wish they could hear it one more time. The people that are in hell, that do not have an opportunity to turn around, wish they had one more opportunity to hear that word. And so it is our responsibility now more than ever to be able to... to to, to magnify the voice of God. Isaiah 55, 7. He, he continually tells his people, let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man depart from his thoughts and let them return to the Lord. I, I, I don't know what's happening when I see an ocean of people moving in the direction 
of the devil's instruction for their lives. And, and so I wish I could, you know, a lot of people says, why aren't the pastors out there? Because I would be out there just saying, guys, it's the other way. It's the other way. Some, some preacher decided to go do that in Seattle this week. And you guys know what happened to him, right? They trampled him. They, they beat him up. They, 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 they choked him. They, they began to beat him because um, this voice is not being heard by the multitude that are walking in chaos. Let him turn and return to the Lord so that the Lord might have mercy on him. That he might turn back to our God because our God has a disposition to abundantly pardon him. That means grab all that he's done and, and throw it in this sea of forgetfulness. And, and so the response to the word repent becomes the catalyst to a new day for all people. And so I, I know that the, every time a sinner repents, the Bible says in Luke 15, 7, that, that likewise there is a outright party in heaven. I say to you likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 persons who need no repentance. The, the fact that no one would listen to the words. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting here as a preacher, and you guys know that I take my calling super serious and I don't want to be up here talking about some theological concept without being able to give you, if, if, if in fact you need this today, to say, I need to turn to God. Today, not tomorrow. Not eventually, not by the end of the year. Not when I turn 25 or 30 or 40. Or like my friend Tony, when I, was, when I got saved at 16, I, I went to a friend of mine, and, and he, he was more a friend of Jules, um, he used to play basketball with Jules at the Little League. And I said, Tony, you need to repent. And he says, I will when I'm old. He didn't get old. He had a car accident within six months and died. And he died right next to Pastor Omar's brother in the same car. And they looked at each other after an accident. They said, are you okay? He says, yeah, I'm okay. And he wasn't okay. All his internal organs were bleeding and he passed away. So Tony didn't turn 20. He didn't turn 21 or 22 or 23 or 24. He didn't get old. God was calling him to repent when he heard the words repent. And let me just say something right now. I have an incredible responsibility. Um, I don't want to be a preacher in my day who did not use the word repent. I, I don't want anybody to be acquainted with my ministry that doesn't hear the words that I'm calling them to turn around and to turn towards God's purpose in their life, who wants to abundantly pardon them and wants to show mercy. Because we have an opportunity to repent, and repentance is not for tomorrow. Repentance is for right now. We need to understand this cry, that while the earth is suffering great controversy, the heavens rejoice when repentance is occurring. And we are fatal in this reality that we have people that we love and are in our family and are our friends and we have not been able to stand in front of them with a call that they would truly repent. 
Now, I know that a lot of people start saying, well, I don't like the way you're telling me how to repent. In fact, I don't like the way uh, I had a young man says, you didn't even ask me my name and you're telling me to repent. Because knowing your name is not as important as him repenting. And trying to explain to him 150,000 things that are going on in his life is not more important than repenting. I don't want to teach anybody the Bible who hasn't repented because all you did was prepare a person to know everything up here and end up going to hell. Because the devil knows the whole Bible, but he refuses to repent. There's no attitude of turning around in him. So we know the heart of God, and we just heard it, that he wants to abundantly pardon all people. He wants to forgive them and show mercy. John 3, 17 says, and so he sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So repentance is a cry of salvation. It's not a rhetoric for contention. I'm not telling people to repent because I think I'm better than them. I'm not telling people to repent because I want to uh, uh, reveal some type of religious righteousness. But if we're not able to look at people with the eyes and a heart and a disposition for them to change the course, there, there's no hope for these people. The greatest hope and encouragement that this world could have is to have an opportunity to turn around and get things right with God. I'll always thank the Lord for sending someone into my life that would provoke me. We, we could have done so many things. We could have talked about so many topics, but the single issue and the single situation that was going on was nothing else than repentance, to turn away from the way I was living. So the Bible says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, that he came to be, uh, not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom to many. He gave his life, uh, verse 45, he gave his life as a ransom to many. The son of man did not come to be served. He, there, there is no need to sit there and say, you know something, uh, God needs something from you. No, you need something from God and forgiveness is that exchange which brings peace into the heart of man. He lays down his life for the sheep. He bore his, our sins on his body. He begins to uh, reconcile us with God. A lot of people think that what is taking place nowadays is worse than ever upon the earth, but if we go to Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, the Bible says that God would not hide anything from his servants. And in this time, just like in that time, I don't think God's going to hide from us what is going on. He's not going to not reveal what is on the landscape. And so he says so there with Abraham. He says, the Lord said, I, shall I hide something from Abraham of what I'm doing? The answer is no, he's not going to hide from Abraham. And the single most important thing that's happening on the earth is the fact that there's some people called the church that are listening to God. I know there's a whole bunch of people that are not listening to God, but listen to me. There's a people that have their ears perked up and they have God's attention. And they're like, Lord, tell us when, tell us where, tell us what, and we're going to do your bidding. 
There's people that have a heart for God. But the, there's a lot of people that are marching and they're parts of the troops of what the devil's doing in our day. But there, verse 18, he says, look, Abraham, from this man, I'm going to surely make a great and mighty nation. So God goes from one man to a multitude. If you don't reach the one man, you can't reach the multitude. The, the multitude need to see the reality of God in one man. I, I thank God that this week we got... We got a notice from the Family Research Council, FRC, that, that we would be on their roster as men that would speak on their men's conferences. In this nation, we have been invited to speak into the lives of men in America. How many say we have something to say? We have something to say. We're not, we're not playing religion. We have a voice to the men in our country. Uh, uh, years ago, uh, not, not many years ago, but three years ago, Wellington Boone was coming down to Florida. He says, I have a meeting in West Palm Beach with Ben Carson, and I want to introduce you to him. He has to know that there are men like you in, on, in the United States that have a voice to the men of this nation. So the devil could do whatever he wants. God is preparing us, and we've said it many times at men's group, we're being prepared to be the men God will use. Now, if you don't show up at men's meeting, you're a poor excuse for a disciple because you're not being prepared for the day that God puts you on the platform. You have nothing to say. You don't know how to think. You haven't been around wise men, so you can't speak wise words. And so I feel sorry for the wives that are married to these men. Because if they're not becoming men on Monday nights, I know they're not taking manhood to their houses. They're not leading their marriages. They're not leading their families. They're pathetic leading their finances. They're not walking as champions. And you, wife, are a reflection of a man who doesn't want to be a champion. Now, if you're a witch, you don't care. But that's not the topic for today. <laughs> Repentances. Turn around. Stop walking stupid. Stop walking foolishly. Tell God that you want to be his vessel in these days, a vessel of honor, because the devil wants to use you a vessel of dishonor. He wants you to serve the multitudes. So there, Genesis 18, 18, I have a plan with Abraham. I'm gonna make him a great and mighty nation. All the families of the earth shall be blessed through him. This is the vessel I will choose to bless everybody who comes in contact with him. Verse 19 he says like this, he says, I have known him. He's going to teach his children after him and his household to keep my commandments so that I could bring upon Abraham what I have spoken about him. I, I want to, God use me the way you want and created me to be used. I want to leave every other thing that's a priority in my life to pay attention to God's priority because his plans are glorious to make me the head and not the tail, to bless me going in and going out. So I, I want that relationship with God. But look, in the, in the limelight of this reality, verse 20, God is looking down upon the earth, and look what he says. And the Lord says, I hear the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah. God is on both vantage points. A lot of people say, oh, God's not paying attention. to." Yes, he is. He's paying attention of, to you to prepare you. I'm the most excited pastor on the planet because of what I see God's going to do with your children. I'm so excited that you gave your children to the Lord and he raising them up to be champions upon the earth. 
And then I'm like, I tell people off all the time. You guys know that. How could you guys are not putting your children in spring of life to become world changers? You, you, you got them in some Sunday school. God knows they're playing. They're, they're making them clowns. They're playing God knows what games. They're not being filled. We have champions in this house. We got young men that are going to stand up and shine gloriously. And they didn't come out of the blue. They've been groomed to be champions. They're not playing around. So yesterday, Michael, I'm talking to Michael. And Michael says, hey, pastor. He didn't tell me. He has a little sister just turned five years old. He said four. He says, hey, pastor, could a woman get married at four? He was serious. Why is he asking me that question? Because he wants the download of how life is supposed to play out. I said, no, any wise little five-year-old or four-year-old princess is going to talk to her dad first. And she's going to talk to you, her brother. And if she gets an okay from you, who are the brother, and an okay from the father, then she gets to get married. But she doesn't have to worry about that till after she gets out of high school. So she's 18. And then he goes, no, because my little sister, there's a... A little boy there at school wants to kiss her. She goes, he, he doesn't want to kiss me. He just wants to hug me. She was defending. Yeah, but we're forming from a young age these little boys that are becoming men that will champion their sister and their moms and their families and are raising up the standard of God. But they need to be downloaded by somebody serious. So there, God says, I got a plan for Abraham. I got a purpose with this man. He's going to be a great and mighty nation. He's going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. He's going to lead his family. That's what we know. People are like, Pastor, why are you so much into men's ministry? I'm not into men's ministry. I'm into champions that will lead their homes and quit being miserable. Wives are miserable. The children are miserable because their dad is not a champion for the Lord. There's no greater champion than the person that's listening to God and doing his will. He's going to lead his family. But the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great because their sins are so perverted. So back then in the day, this is over 5,000 years ago, God is looking at a righteous man and he's looking at a whole bunch of, a whole entire city full of the most perverted and disgusting and rebellious people. And he says, I'm looking at that, and I'm going to go check it out. Verse 21, the Lord says, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to go down and see whether they have done what I've heard them doing according to the outcry that is against it, that it has come to me. And if not, I will know. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out if it's true that there's so many abortions in America. I'm going to figure it out if they can't keep law and order. Everything is mixed up so that everything is confused. Who's to blame, the Democrats or the Republicans? Listen, we talked about that last week. It's sin. It's the same sin of rebellion. It, man has... The, has you either choose to be a vessel of God in his purpose or the devil fills you with arrogance and with, with pride and rebellion and disobedience and you're the puppet of the devil. You're either a champ for God or a chimp for Satan. And so this is why God is calling all men to repentance. And he looks down upon the city. Listen, chapter 19 gets disgusting. 
What happens in chapter 19? Lot is there, and the angels come and says, Lot, get out of the city fast. And while he's getting told to get out of the city, the city wakes up and comes knocking on his house. We want those men so we could have sex with them. How could a city be so perverted? We think that what's going on today in the cities of America is twisted. How about this? How about listening to a guy who says, we know that there's some men in there. And Genesis 19, verse 9, verse 8. No, I'm going to have to start right here. Verse 4. Start in verse 4. Now, before they were asleep, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both the old men and the young men, all the people from every section of town surrounded the city. Now, we put it in context because right now, these guys are saying, hey, we're not going to mess up the city no more. Let's go into the neighborhoods. So you have all these people knocking at your house, and I just pray they pick the right houses because if they knock on the wrong houses, they're going to get shot. But they're knocking on this house, and what do they say in verse 5? All the cities from every section, both young and old, they called out to Lot and says, where are the men that are inside your house? Bring them out so we might have sex with them. So we might know them carnally. Listen, this is a level of depravity that is far past our day. If you think what's going on today is worse, no, listen, it's the same. It's the same craziness of the men in the city. Instead of being champions for God, they are walking as as zombies doing the devil's bidding, wanting to rape the men in Lot's house. Uh, Some people are offended because Lot says, look, I have some daughters, but leave these men men alone so that you don't offend God. Verse 6, Lot went outside through the doorway and he shut the door behind him. Verse 7, don't do this to these men. Please, my brother, don't do this wickedness. Don't do what's disgustingly depraved. Listen, I don't know about you, but one of the senses that I have more because of COVID is the dire need for the church to go out there and preach the gospel. There's a lot of people need to be discipled. How many say amen? There's people that need church and they need God. And people are like, we don't need to go to church. We don't need to, that doesn't make us evil. Yes, it does. Without God, you don't have a chance. You're wicked, you're perverted, you're depraved. Even the most righteous are like minstrel cloth before God's righteousness. There's a lot of people out there that says, I'm not part of Antifa. I'm not part of the Republican capitalist. Listen, you're more wicked than them all because you're justifying yourself in your self-righteousness. You're a stench in the nostrils of God. God is not pleased with you. So he tries to go on, stop doing what's wicked, men. Verse 8, he says, do not lie with these men. I have two daughters who have, are virgins. They don't know any men. Please let me bring them to you. That's more normal than what you guys are doing. And, may, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since 
is the reason they have come under my roof. I'm responsible for what happens in my house. So listen to me. Well, I read this today in the house of God, and there's a lot of children here, but guess what? They're facing depravity beyond their years as they see what's happening in the landscape. And, and what we say with this is that God tells people, he tells Lot, he tells his wife and his two daughters, get out of the city because I'm about to crush and destroy Sodom because of their wickedness and because of their depravity. If you, if you see the, sons, uh, the sins of Sodom, it wasn't only homosexual and sexual perversion, it was, it was the vanity of having too much money not to do with. If you're grabbing a whole bunch of money and sticking it in some time of, of God knows what, and you're, you're blind to the need that's around you, you are just as wicked. You're just as wicked. That, that, the, the Bahamas, what was it called? The... Abaco Island, people took all their money. We're going to have our little island, and we're going to pretend that everything's okay here. No, you're not. I'm going to send a hurricane to stand on top of the island for five days until every last nail and piece of wood and, and, and house and roof is blown apart so that you might be a part of the answer of the world's problems and not have your little safe haven and practice your own prosperity. All, all this, the mind of Christ. You said, so how does a preacher come up with this stuff? Listen, carry the heart of God. Be, be, get close to what God feels so that you feel the same. We just talked about it last week, empathy or apathy. When you're feeling like God, you, you're tapped into the, to the spirit of God. And so you move with the Lord in that regard. You guys know the Bible says that Lot told his son-in-laws they didn't believe him. They thought he was joking. You're too serious. What are you talking about? God's not going to destroy this stuff. And then Lot's wife turns into a pillar of salt. She had a divided interest. Her family's going out of the city, and she's looking back to a sin-infested hellhole. And, and, and truly, repentance is that which allows you to walk in the direction of what God has for you, and it becomes a blessing. Matthew 24, 37, the last days will be like the days of Noah. So also will become the, the, the coming of the Son of Man. This is no different now than it was in the days of Noah. The only thing is, if Noah was preaching for the people to repent and they didn't listen to, I have a question for you. What are you preaching are you telling people reality concerning God? I want to be able to tell somebody something that is so substantive, their heart melts. I don't want to be a cheesy, flaky, snowflake Christian. Acts 2.37, the Bible says that as, they, as Peter preached, they were cut to the heart. I want to I ask a question, you Christian who think you're, you're, like the, you're like right with God. When you speak, are people cut in their heart? When they heard Peter, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, based on what you're saying, what shall we do? And when you talk to people and, and you deliver what you have in your heart, are they saying, how are we supposed to move? Because if not, you have a little butter, butter knife and, and you're, you're tickling people. Use the word of God with such 
precision and intensity that you cut the hearts of men with words that will make them respond. What am I supposed to do? Look what he says in verse 38. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to, Peter said to them, repent! Repent! If the, if the world is not hearing that from us, what are we doing? If we're not calling the men and women of our generation to repent, not the, not the people that are making the mobs out there, every single senator Every single mayor of every town. Listen, when you start scratching the surface of all those in our day, they, they need to hear one word, repent. Leadership is about repentance. Revival is about repentance. And we are the conduit and the catalyst so that those around us don't feel comfortable. And it's not that they're not doing things that that bother us is not with us the issue. It's with God. He's a holy God. He's a pure God. He's a God who's given his son. So if our heart cry is not repentant, we are stale Christians. We're not moving the hearts of people to ask what should we do. We don't have the message of repentance. The message of every man of God in the Bible was Turn from your wickedness. Turn and don't do that which doesn't please God. This voice has to be louder. Psalm 51 verse 10. David says, if I don't repent first, I cannot tell a sinner to repent. If God is not real in my life, real, real, I need God creating me a clean heart. Put your spirit inside me so it's a healthy spirit. Verse 11 don't cast me away. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12. Restore the joy of my salvation. Hold me up as a generous spirit. Verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. If I repent, then I'm qualified to go tell somebody else to repent. If I'm right with God, I can be zealous to bring somebody to be right with God and sinners shall be converted to you church we need to have a fresh resonant we our, our voice has to resonate in such a way that that out of our lives we're calling all people in all places I think that's Acts chapter 17 verse 30 let's go there real quickly Truly, there's already been a time of ignorance that God has overlooked. But now he commands, say with me, all men. And then say everywhere. To do what? To repent. It doesn't matter if they're high and mighty. It doesn't matter if they're low and, and no one knows. They're called to turn around and turn back to God. And we should be those that are bringing people back to God. We, we have relationships with our sons and our daughters. There is an inability in our day for repentance. I, I see here Revelations chapter 2. He, he says like this in this particular, verse 21. Revelations 2, 21. I gave her time to repent. 
and she did not repent. Do you, do you know somebody that you've been saying, hey, it's the other way. Hey, it's the other way. Hey, it's the other way. And they have no ability to turn around. That, that becomes a terrible thing. You know where they're going to end up? They're going to end up in hell. And you are one of the people that they go by in the direction to eternal torment of never being able to come out of there. But look, the Bible says that he gave her time to repent. I've seen women nowadays, yesterday I was watching a program, I think Forensic Files, the lady says, I need to kill my husband. She pays somebody to kill her husband, and as she's paying the person to kill her husband, she says, okay, I guess I'm going to hell. This, this was the step beyond return. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to hell now. And she said it just like that. So I'm, I'm wondering, why is it that people in our day are not turning around? First of all, a lot of our conversations are not even serious. Oh, how you doing? How, how, how's the dog? How's, how's the business? And, how's, and you're, you're talking garbage to people that are going to burn in hell because you didn't have the courage to call them to repentance. To turn around. This is a great, uh, I, I was at a car wash and I, I, I told Gerardo, Gerardo, we're going to talk to this guy about the Lord. We don't want any car washers to go to hell. How many say amen? No car washers. We're all going to talk to all of them. He says, hey, this is Gerardo. He's a trumpet player in Mark Anthony. He says, right, he, got, he has something important to tell you. And so Gerardo goes, well, when I was a kid, I said, Gerardo, we don't have time for when you were a kid. Tell him fast. He goes, well, my dad left me when I was six months. And the guy says, hey, brother, I don't have time. I'm washing cars. Tell me. He goes, you're going to hell. I go, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. You went too fast. You got to give them an opportunity to repent and to turn back to the Lord. We're not sending people to hell. We're telling them to run from hell, to turn around. And then Gerardo had, it was like, he says, I don't care about you. He goes, wait, wait, he does care about you. That's why he's telling you. Because a lot of times they push our buttons and then we don't, get the, we don't deliver the message. But we were able to deliver the message. He was able to pray with us. He was able to receive Christ and now not go to hell. Because a five minute exchange at the car wash. And our conversation has to be serious. And this message is repent now. We, we need to be the conduit. If, if you're friends with everybody and you're seeing everybody go to hell and you're not the, the, the voice in, in the right there at the valley of the shadow of death where people are not going to be able to turn. I don't want to know anybody that's going to go to hell because I didn't tell them to repent. I'd rather not have a, a relationship so that I'm not responsible for their blood. I called her to repent and she wouldn't. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 9, verse 18. Three-thirds. I'm sorry, not three-thirds, one-third. These three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by fire, smoke, or brimstone, which came out of these angels' mouths. There were plagues upon the earth that killed a third of mankind. I know that there's like seven billion people upon the earth. The the mathematicians help me with a third, right? Two billion people going to hell. Why hell, pastor? Verse 20, what's it say? The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of their works. So the one-third died, two billion people died, and the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, they did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, that they should not pursue the idols of gold and silver, 
of brass and stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. There's a lot of people serving a lot of false gods, and they would not repent. And they wouldn't turn even after a third of the population of the earth died because of these plagues. Those who were not killed by the plagues could not repent. And I'm like, Lord, what is going on with these people? Hebrews chapter 8 verse 14. Don't be like Esau. I'm sorry, chapter 12. Verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Seek this type of fellowship with, with, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15. For you know Esau, looking careful that you not fall short of the grace of God and that roots of bitterness come up and spring up and many are defiled by these things. Verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who sold for one morsel of food his birthright. Verse 17. Afterwards, the Bible says, for you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit blessing, he was rejected for there was no found any place for him to repent. There was no place for he could turn and make a U-turn though he sought it diligently with tears. You don't want to get in a place where your life is so far gone, there's no more U-turns. Maybe today is the last time you hear a preacher telling you to repent. Maybe you say, you know something, that preacher, I didn't like the, his tone of voice. I didn't like those Spanish songs in the English service. Listen, it's God's heart and my heart telling you to repent, telling you to write, walk right with God, and then saying, God, make us a voice to the nation to repent. Because we're not hearing it. We're not hearing it. A lot of people are asking you, hey, what, what do you think about the riots? Your first word out of your mouth is they need to repent. Somebody needs to tell them to repent. Hey, what do you think about the, the Antifa? They need to repent. Hey, what do you think about the cops? They need to repent. Hey, what do you think about the racists? They need to repent. And what do you think about the economy? <laughs> people need to repent. People need to repent. People need to repent. This, this message is now. It has to be the only message in our hearts. Get right with God. Turn around. He's waiting to forgive you. He, he gave his son to forgive you. Don't disregard Romans 2.4. Don't look at anything that's going on other than he's being patient to give people an opportunity to repent. Why hasn't Jesus come back? Because of his goodness. He doesn't want, he wants no one to be lost. He, don't despise the riches of his patience. Knowing that his goodness is to lead men to repent. Why is God taking so long? He wants people to repent. He doesn't want anybody to perish. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill the coming of his promises in his word like you understand slowness. slowness. He's not slow. He's not slacking. He's not being irresponsible, but he wishes that no one should perish and that all should come to repentance. He wants everyone to turn and to come to repentance. We are the vessels of God. We are the instruments of God. I have no other message to preach. Hey, preacher, what are you going to preach? Repent. Hey, why did you talk about something else? Because you need to repent. Because your sister needs to repent. 
Your son needs to repent. Your daughter needs to repent. Your wife needs to repent. Your husband needs to repent. Your boss needs to repent. The people that are in your company, you're going to tell me that you gave them salaries over 20 years and never told them to repent? They're going to question you on that day of judgment. Hey, if I was your best employee, why didn't you tell me to repent? If I was your coworker and best friend, why didn't you tell me to repent? I went to the mall with you a thousand times and you never told me to repent. You never gave me an opportunity to pray. You didn't lead me in the sinner's prayer. You taught me how to play baseball and you didn't tell me to repent. You didn't tell me how to get right with God. You know, that's the greatest gift that we could give any man is an opportunity to turn from his ways and to find God. And to know that they're not store up. Romans 2.5, don't harden your heart and store up greater weight of wrath. Don't harden your heart with an impenitent disposition, treasuring for yourself greater and greater wrath. 2 Timothy 2.23, avoid all other foolish disputes. Hey, where'd the dinosaurs go? Hey, do you think there's aliens? Hey, do you think Harry Potter is evil? Listen, buddy, repent. Once you get right with God, we can talk about any subject. And there's no subject to talk about unless we have talked about the most important. 2 Timothy 2.23, avoid foolish disputes. They only generate strife. A lot of times you meet a person and the devil wants you to get, <laughs> wants them to get upset before you have an opportunity to convey the message. Verse 24. We're not to dispute and to argue and generate strife. A servant of the Lord must be not quarrelsome, but gentle. So he could teach others patiently. Verse 25, what? To get right with God in humility, correcting those that are in opposition. Maybe if you do it correctly, perhaps God will grant them repentance. Perhaps if we are wise and we ask God to use us, we could be an instrument in the hands bringing, man, listen to me. There's nothing greater. When we were talking to this baseball player, Cincinnati Reds, um, he was talking, look, I have issues. I have these scenarios. I need help. And then Herado goes, you know what the most important thing is? For you to repent and give your heart to the Lord. It's the most important. Forget about all the other stuff going on in your life. And he says, I want that. So we led him to the Lord. He repented, said the sinner's prayer. And that's the greatest gift, greater than his million-dollar contract at the big leagues. He could walk with Jesus now. He's made peace with God. And it's glorious to, to be able to be instruments in the hands of God for this reality. Uh, in, in chapter 15 of Luke, we have the scenario of Jesus saying, look, there was a lost sheep, there was a lost coin, there was a lost son. But they all, they all were found. This whole chapter, chapter 15 of, the, of Luke, the gospel of Luke, Verse 1, he says, they drew near to him all the sinners, and they were listening to him. The tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, and he began to tell them all manner of stuff so that they would turn around. So he talked to them about the, verse 4, what, do you, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, does not leave the 99 and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, verse 5, he puts it on his shoulder rejoicing. And verse 6 says, And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, 
for I have found my sheep that was lost. Verse 7, I say to you the same, that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than 99 that don't need repentance. He talks about the lost coin also. This lady's in her house and she loses her coins and she finds it. And she rejoices with the same rejoicing that people can have when they find that treasure which is lost. And he says the same thing. It's just like a sinner. Verse 10, when she finds this piece, she calls her friends and rejoices. I have found the piece of coin that I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels for a sinner that repents. And then he talks about the lost son. A, man had, a certain man had two sons and one of them takes off. Verse 17, when the son came to himself and says, now in my father's house, there's plenty of food. I know what I'll do. Verse 18, I'll rise and go back to my father. And I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Verse 20, he rose and came to the father. The father received him. Verse 24, for this is my son that was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. So this entire chapter is about the capacity to come back to God. But what happens in Luke 26, verse 16, that the rich man goes to hell and he has no one to send for his family. Luke 26, 27. He has one petition in hell. This is what all these people are going to have as a petition in hell. They say, verse 27, Father, let me go back to my family. Got that? I'll give you the quote again. Luke 26, 27. Chapter 26, doesn't have. All right, I'm going to look at. Verse 27, uh, you're going to have to find the chapter for me. Is it 16? Yeah, 1627. Luke 1627. He says, Father, I beg you, therefore, that you would send me back to my family's house. He finds himself in hell. And he has one, one petition in hell. Go back and tell my family not to come here. Go back and tell my family that they don't want to come here. Verse 28, he says, listen, if they don't repent by listening to the preachers, even if you come back from the dead, for I have five brothers that he, that he might testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. Verse 29, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the Bible. Let them hear the Bible's being preached. Verse, 20, uh, verse 30. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from dead, they will repent. If they see a, like a miraculous sign, they're going to turn around. Verse 31. He says, if they won't listen to the preaching, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, the Bible, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Isn't that sad that some people, it doesn't matter if a miracle happens in their life, they're still not going to turn? So you know something? At that point, I start crying. And I said, Lord, have mercy on them. And I start interceding. Give them someone. Allow something to come in their lives that they might know you, that they might find you, that they might be saved. And that is the burden that we carry. That is the burden that we should all carry as sons of God. Let's uh, go ahead and stand this morning. We've, we've gone way over our time, but it, we had church today, people. We had good church today. Hallelujah. The formalities of 
modern Christianity allows us to not be able to carry the true weight of the responsibility we have. He tells, he tells his people in Revelations, you know, I know that you've been burned by those who said they were Christians and that you've gone indifferent to the things of God. I know that you no longer walk with the devotion you have. Revelations 2, verse 2. There are some people that have come to the Lord and, and my heart cries for them. God has great ministries and great callings and great glories that will follow. And he says, I know your works and I know how you worked and I know your patience and I know you can't stand those who do evil and that you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. I know you've gone through all these things that have stumbled you in your walk. Verse three, he says, but I have one thing against you. You've persevered and have had patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Verse four, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. I, I, don't, I don't know what it takes to get a whole entire church on fire, but I think today is a good day. I think it's a good day to talk to people. I, I told Michael, seven years old, to talk to his nine-year-old cousin about repentance. If that's the expectation I have of a seven-year-old, imagine what I have for those that are adults and lead families and are fathers. That their life of repentance might be a catalyst for a, a, a family that's out there. I, I love this, this, I'm gonna tell this last story. We went to Nicaragua when the boys were very small. Nick was seven, Josh was six, Brandon was five. And it was so young for them, they, they, they were constantly either at church or on the mission field either at church or on the mission field. And so they, they didn't have, a, a lot of times they couldn't, ha they didn't have a normal youth schedule like other young people do. And I was a little bit concerned because I was going, I was flooring the RPMs, serving the Lord, serving the Lord, serving the Lord. So we come back from seven days in Nicaragua where we did ministry the whole time, ministry, ministry, ministry. They didn't have time for any tourism or nothing like that. So we come back and I'm worried about, I'm like, Lord, you know, am I ruining the life of my three boys? Seven, six, and five. And as I was praying and my heart was crying before the Lord, all of a sudden they ran into the house. I think it was either Josh. And he said, Mom and Brandon, give us a Bible. Where does it say in the Bible that he makes your sin white as snow? And I was like, what the heck is going on? They had a revival with the next door neighbors. They had Alex and Chris, and they were saying, man, you don't want to go to hell. Because Christ wants to cleanse your sins and make them white as snow. So they ran in the house. They asked the mom for the Bible. And then they, they, they were out there. And they're like, okay, we got to pray now. So they made a little circle. Seven, six, and five. And, and their two next door neighbor friends. And it says, okay, we're going to say this prayer now. And then they all held hands. And, and Brandon was the smallest of the bunch. He was five years old. And, and one of them, Alex, Chris says, yeah, I want to serve the Lord. And Chris is a Christian today. He's a leader at his youth group across town. He's 20-something years old. But, but Alex never wanted to receive Christ. He goes, no, man, you guys talk too serious. I just want to play cartoons with you guys. I, I just want to watch cartoons. But this thing is too deep for me. So they made a circle, and Chris was about to receive the Lord. And Brandon was five years old, and he turns around and goes, this is serious. <laughs> this is serious. You know, he was saying, look, man, what you're about to do is serious stuff. And, and that's been my heart all these years. Our ministry needs to be serious. Our cry for the lost has to be real. 
We have to have the conversations with people that don't think we're a bunch of idiots. That what we're doing is a matter of life and death. The crossroads of life. Yesterday, Danny Gonzalez calls me. He says, a young man I used to play baseball with in high school, and he's at home, and he wants to talk with me. I said, bring him over now. We didn't say come tomorrow, come next week. Now, bring him to my house now. Because it's urgent that we be available now. Don't say, I'm Saturday, I'm taking the rest. No, no, no. Repentance is now, it's today. It's calling sinners. I said, go pick them up and bring them to my house now. So Danny drives over there, and when he's going to pick him up, the father says, no, no, no. I'm going to take him to the psychiatrist because he hasn't slept for six days. He needs medication. He, see, all around us, there's people with need to repent. And they're running to the psychiatrist, and they're running to the bank, and they're running to the accountant, and they're running to do sports. But listen to me. I, I want to be ready at the Lord's coming. And I want the people that are around me to be ready. And, and this is serious. So let's pray today. And I'm sorry I've taken too much time, but we don't have a middle service. We'll just preach all the way to 12. Father, thank you for this day that we're in the house of the Lord. We have considered your word. You have spoken clearly to your church. We, we rejoice in your presence. Create a clean heart in us, Lord, that we might not have anything that has touched our heart that you have purified and made clean, and that we might carry the same burden for the loss that you have, so much so that you gave your son to die on the cross. Give us all an opportunity to repent and to get right with God. Not just one time in 1977, but every day before your presence, Lord, that we might be found righteous because of your goodness, giving us an opportunity to get right with God. And wherever our family members are, Lord, be it a husband, a wife, a friend, a family member, a city commissioner, a police chief, police associate, a lawyer, landscaper, plumber, electrician, salesperson, realtor, whoever they are, Lord, paralegal, legal secretary. Use us to lead people to repentance. Use us as an example of living broken lives before you. Allow us to be vessels in this day, Lord. The heart cry of the Holy Spirit to the nation is repent. To the president, to the vice president, to the attorney general, to our senators, to our diplomats, to the businessmen, to the stock market. If we don't repent and draw near to you, Lord, it's gonna be a terrible day. It's gonna be an awful day. Allow us to be sensitive and feel your spirit calling us to the right place with God. And allow you to lead our steps, lead our words with precision I know there's evil in the land, depravity. There's people that are men sleeping with men, women sleeping with women, debauchery, alcoholism, drug addiction, wrath, anger, basically sin. And sin entangles man and keeps him away from your purpose. I pray those people that are watching us online right now that they would repent and return to the house of God. That they would stop living comfortable lives from a distance, eavesdropping, the message of God, but that they would be present in the house of God with your people serving side by side so that our children and our grandchildren might see what a Christian does and how he lives and where he fellowships. We pray for the body of Christ to return to its place. We pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts and 
make our heart melt within us, that we quit living arrogant, self-sufficient, independent lives, that we return to you, O oh God, that you break us, O oh God, that the voice of your spirit would be greater than the voice of indifference and apathy. Be glorified. Restore the hearts of your people. Return them to the house of God. For there's much joy in heaven when somebody repents and turns back to the place of the Father's house. We glorify your name, we exalt you, and we celebrate your victories in the coming days. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Greet one another from a distance. Love you guys. See you next Sunday. We continue to wait upon the Lord. Hallelujah.